1: Welcome to Wind's Howling, a companion podcast of The Witcher TV show on Netflix. We'll be diving deep into each episode of the show and exploring the larger context of the story from the games and novels. I'm Brett. And my name's Abu. And this is take three of what we tried to do, and we're <laughs> at the end, and it took us a bit to have some technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah. we're here, and we're ready to wrap up the season.
0: Yes, I am stoked we have finally made it to the end of the season, but before we dive into this episode, which there's a lot to discuss here, as usual, as we've done for every episode thus far, you know the drill, let's start with a recap and then we'll get into our three key moments and we'll wrap up with our final thoughts about this episode and the season at large.
1: Geralt leaves a burning Cintra after failing to retrieve Ciri and comes upon a man burying the bodies of Nilfgaard's victims. The man is attacked by monsters and Geralt intervenes. He defeats the creatures, but is bitten and passes out.
0: Ciri wakes up in the place where she was attacked the night before. The bodies of her attackers are spread across the field, bloody and broken. The kind woman from the marketplace comforts her and takes her home.
1: The rebel mages led by Tissaia and Vilgefortz arrive at Sodden Hill and plan their defense. The refugees who've taken shelter in the keep volunteer to help the mages.
0: The night before the attack, the defenders try to relax and ease their minds with drinks and songs. Yen shares a cup of ale with Taisea, and the two have a genuine heart-to-heart.
1: In the Nilfgaardian camp, Frangilla tells Kahir that mages were spotted in the keep. The Nilfgaardian Field Marshal wants to wait for reinforcements, but Frangilla and Kahir are desperate to catch Siri. They decide to test the mages' defenses.
0: Thank god Yen is a light sleeper because she's awoken by a giant fucking fireball and manages to deflect it just in time. At dawn the next day, the mages prepare for the Nilfgaardian attack as an ominous fog spreads around the keep.
1: A delirious Geralt finds himself in the man's cart, heading for his home. The man desperately tries to keep Geralt awake as he hallucinates about his childhood and his mother. So we're not going to waste a lot of time
0: describing everything that happens at the defense of Sodden Hill, but suffice it to say that it's desperate and bloody. The bodies pile up on both sides as the mages mount an impressive defense, but are pushed back by overwhelming numbers. Special shouts to Coral for snapping the necks of like 30 dudes. Very cool.
1: Vilgefortz crosses swords with Kahir, and against Yen's warning he uses up all his chaos, loses his four swords in the process. Before being kicked down a hill and definitely entering the concussion protocol, <laughs> <laughs> Geralt wakes up and takes
0: one of his Witcher potions. He asks the man to take him to the Blue Mountains to take him home. He falls back into his hallucinations as the man rushes the horses onwards. Geralt has visions of being abandoned by his mother and hears a voice of a man, presumably
1: Vesemir. At Sodden Hill, all hope seems lost. The defenders have taken heavy casualties and a wounded Yennefer stumbles out of the gate. Vilgefortz wakes up and murders one of the northern defenders, ignoring Yen's telepathic pleas for help. Geralt
0: hallucinates Renfrey and Yen and his mother, Vicenna. He jolts awake as the voice of his mother tells him to find his destiny. The merchant thanks Geralt for saving his life from the monsters and offers him the law of surprise. Geralt says a cup of ale will be payment enough.
1: A wounded Tissaia tells Yen to unleash her power and repel the Nilfgaardian invaders. Yen releases all of her pent up emotions and sets the world aflame, burning the Nilfgaardian soldiers and everything else too. King Foltest and the northern reinforcements arrive. The battle of Sodden Hill is over and the north has prevailed.
0: The kind woman tucks Siri into bed, and Siri can relax for what's probably the first time since the attack on Sintra. Unfortunately, she's woken by her memory of Calanthe telling her to find Geralt, and by a voice screaming for Yennefer. She leaves the home the next morning and rushes into the woods, presumably towards Sodden.
1: Geralt arrives at the same house and overhears the woman talking about Ciri. He walks into the woods and runs into his child's surprise. She goes into his arms, and you can see relief wash over his face. Ciri pulls back and asks him, who is Yennefer? Credits roll,
0: cuts it black, and season one of The Witcher concludes.
1: And with it, our wait for season two has begun, but let's finish our four key moments, right?
0: Yes, yeah. So I sort of cheated. I mean, it's the last episode. Y'all get four I'm, I'm feeling today. a little spicy. Right, right. So instead of our usual three key moments, I wanted to actually pick apart four moments in this episode that I thought were actually pretty key to the characters and to the story that's being told, and they're relatively short, so I figure we'll be able to cover them in a fair amount of time. The first moment that I picked here was at the Keep in Sodden Hill, and it's the night before the attack. Preparations have been made, the refugees are making bows and arrows, the defenses have been created for the Keep, and Yen and Tysaia share a cup of ale. And I think here for the very first time, we see some genuine heart to heart between Tysaia and
1: Yen. Yeah, this was, or this is, you know, the common trope of you're going to have a battle. So the night before the battle, you kind of have everybody trying to relax and they all speak of, oh, we're all going to die. And are you ready to die? And There's no way we're making it out of this alive. But of course, everybody usually says that does make it out alive (laughs) because they're a speaking character on the TV show and they're not going to. Pay that money to an extra to say that and then have them die. But it did seem where at least this, and you, you could account it to the ale, but their guards are down and Taseya and Yin are getting their heart to heart. And there's no animosity here. It's we're in this together. We might not see this time tomorrow. So get everything out and let's actually get an understanding of each other.
0: Yeah. I, I think for the first time they're speaking to each other as equals. The relationship is no longer, I am your teacher, I am your mother figure, I am more powerful than you. I think for the first time, say, and Yennefer are speaking on the same ground. They're equals and they're talking mage to mage, woman to woman, and they don't know if they'll live to see tomorrow. And I think that sort of forces them to open up.
1: See, both of them have been humbled completely. Yes. Where to say it was the Rectress of Eretuza had all this power. She is now an outcast of the Brotherhood, if you will. You can call that a power struggle that she lost for the Brotherhood. So she's in her and Vilgefortz, who are, you know, uh, 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 (laughs) they're now leading this defense together. And then Yen, who has been humbled by everything, she's felt betrayed by Geralt, she was just straight rejected by Istrid As far as her two main lovers are concerned, she still doesn't really know. I think what she's doing or what she's even really doing there, it's just, hey, I'm wanted here, I'm needed here, I'm going to do something.
0: Yes, exactly. Before we get into sort of Yen's psyche, I gotta back up because you brought up a little something something between Tessa and Vilgofords. I just need a yes and yes or no from you. Are they fucking?
1: Oh yeah, uh, Daddy Vilgeforts, <laughs> I think is the kids are saying these days. Oh no, that yeah, that was definitely a oh yeah, they've they've got a history there. And going back to the book lore that Vilgeforts does, and this is no real spoiler, Vilgeforts does make it seem that he had a former flame that was a mage. But in the books it's never really said. It's never so confirmed. I think yep. This is yeah, this is just kind of a oh damn, was it Tessea?
0: Yeah, th- this what I thought was kind of fun and cheeky and, you know, like, good for you, I get it. Vilgefortz is a fucking catch. Yeah, you no see? kidding.
1: <laughs> no, they both are.
0: They both are, yeah. yeah good for both absolutely. of them. Absolutely. I do also want to mention, there was a scene before Yen walks over and has ale with Tysaia where Yen talks to one of the refugees, this woman who has lost everything. She's lost her farm. She's lost her kids. Nilfgaard has taken everything from her. And she has nothing left except to fight. That's why she's volunteered to stay and fight. And I thought this was interesting because Yennefer here is a little bit lost. You mentioned this earlier. She's here because, again, she's wanted, she's needed to say I asked her personally, but she still sort of doesn't have a purpose in life and she doesn't know where or how she wants to approach the rest of her life. And here, I think she saw that Maybe she has a bit more privilege and definitely quite a bit more power than your average citizen of the continent. Like, this woman lost everything and is now willing to effectively fight Nilfgaard with little to no training and absolutely no power. She doesn't even have the magical power that Yen has when she uh, makes those copies of the arrows. And the woman says, oh, I wish I could do that. And Yen replies with, oh, it's just magic. It's not real well, it's more power than this woman has. I thought that was interesting. It was interesting for Yen to see that contrast of, oh, wow, I maybe have more privilege than I thought I did.
1: Yeah, it was a realization. And before getting into that, I believe that this character was Meritus. And if I'm correct on that, the actress there was the voice actress of Iris Von Everick in The Witcher 3 in the Hearts of Stone expansion.
0: Oh, wow. That's a fun little fact. I didn't realize Yeah, a
1: little that. fun fact there. And also, I think that's only two, because to say as actress was Anna Henrietta. So they're kind of throwing a couple of them in there. So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that is cool.
1: And yeah, I do think that scene right there went to show that it kind of softens Yen in the sense of where, again, she's very nihilistic, very just whatever, I don't care. And then she sees like, oh, yeah, I've always at least been able to fully defend myself, such as Creating weapons and creating all this stuff out of literally thin air. right. And so to see someone normal and vulnerable is kind of showing that, yeah, I am, no matter what it is, I'm of a higher class or just a higher ability of quote unquote normal people.
0: I figured you would love the scene because you are always looking out for the little guy, you're worried about the peasants, you're worried about the everyday farmer. And I'm glad we got to see a little bit of their perspective here.
1: Yeah, most shows like this, especially when it comes in, because we never really follow the quote unquote little people, this is actually showing like they matter. They're here, they're suffering. And our mages, our witchers, and our soldiers, the, your Kaiheers and all of them, like they're generally going to be fine unless they die. But if they don't, they'll always be able to protect themselves or at least have a say. But again, these refugees whose homes have been destroyed—this is it for them. And even if they win the battle, it's like, well, we're not going back to what it was.
0: Right? There's like no life for them to return to. It's, all yeah, been it's taken away. Yeah, it's literally just
1: what the hell? We'll just fight here and hope for a tomorrow.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's talk about the actual conversation between Yen and Tessia. It It's very quick and it's relatively short, but I think there's a couple of lines that are worth uh, digging into and picking apart. One thing that Yen says. That I think really tells us where her headspace is at at this moment is, "quote I've lived two or three lifetimes already," and Tysaia says, "and you haven't been satisfied with any of them." And she and Yen says, "Yeah, you know, like I haven't." <laughs> and I think this is just—it's haunting, it's sad, it's heartbreaking to see that Yen has come so far and like still has not quite come as far as she wanted to or could have hoped for, I I think it's quite sad to see Yen in this state right here. Like she is, I believe her when she says, I'm ready to die.
1: At this point, she doesn't have anything that she considers or it seems to live on or live for as she's saying here. Yeah. And I think that probably helps her fighting (laughs) because she's got nothing to lose And she's ready to die. And to not make an exact analogy, it's almost like that corner dog where back's against the wall. You got nothing else to lose. You're not fleeing. So it's just time to fight. But it does. It really shows that this is the nadir of her experience and that nothing for her has worked out the way she thought it would or wanted it to. And here we are at the ruins of this elven castle. And what the hell? Let's go for it.
0: Right, she even brings up, and I'm glad we got this little nugget of info, she brings up this idea that she has no legacy to leave behind. She has no family. And you can see sort of the pain and regret on Tessa's face, I think. The fact that Yen is still, she's maybe not obsessing about it as much as she did a couple episodes ago about having a child, but it still hurts, you know? It's still something she carries with her. It's a regret she has. And it's probably something she'll think about for the rest of her life that she cannot have her own children.
1: It's an eternally open wound yes. where she might not be obsessing about it, but it's always there. And she's clearly by this point never going to be able to let it go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then this conversation ended on a, I think, a relatively positive note. I think for the first time in their very long and tumultuous relationship, Taisei offers some genuine, heartfelt, positive advice to. Yen, she walks away and Tysaia says, Yen, you still have so much left to give. You still have so much life left to give. And I think here, for maybe the first time, we recognize how relatively young Yen is. I mean, Yen is like decades and decades old. She's lived multiple lifetimes. She's a sorceress. But on the timeline of a sorceress, she's still relatively young. Like Tysaia, we sort of realize here is probably like really old.
1: Yeah, and really old by mage and sorceress standards is really old, like Old Testament old.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of a moment where like advice from the elders to the young is what I got out of that line. Like, hey, I know you're going through a tough time. I went through it too. You feel like there's nothing more in life that you've experienced everything. Trust me, as someone who has lived way longer than you, life has so much more to give. You just got to hold on and get through this dark time that you're in. And I thought that was a genuinely positive message for Tessaia to give Yen. Okay, let's move on to our second key moment. So this one is the moment where Geralt confronts his mom. This is not the first hallucination where he imagines maybe it's a dream, maybe it's part reality. It's very hard to tell, but it's a younger Geralt. Mom is serving him like a delicious fucking looking dinner. Like that part has to be a dream. There's no way Geralt Yeah, they ain't <laughs> hurting there. Yeah. Good Lord, he's got a feast. Yeah. There's no way Geralt was eating like a king at that age. But um, yeah. so it's not that hallucination. The key moment that I want to talk about is actually the second time he hallucinates his mother. There's a much clearer picture. We see her face for the first time. He's wounded. And this row of women, first Renfrey, then Yen, and then finally his mother, uh, are sort of appearing and tending to his wound. And he confronts her here. And I think it's interesting. I had actually totally forgotten that this actually takes place in the books. You had to remind me.
1: Yeah, and this is it's funny how there are certain things that the book readers and the purists will really harp on about certain things. And I don't ever remember hearing much about this scene from anybody. And this scene is almost exactly like from the books, from the the short story that ended The Sword of Destiny. The only thing that I could think that was different was in the show, it's made it clearly seem that this was a dream. But in the books, I believe that it actually happened because it ends with Vicenna telling Geralt go to sleep. Our interaction will be as a dream. And he goes and and he goes to sleep. But they never mention it again. Like they don't mention it when he wakes up. Oh, it was so and so. So to me, it actually happened. In the books, but a big change also was the anger of Geralt was really in the show where in yeah. the books he was in a hallucinatory mode and it was more like sad. But in here, I mean, we see him like you don't get to use that name. You know, Ooh. Vesemir gave me that name. And I mean, you can just tell that, oh, man, he is just irate.
0: He is hurting. Yeah, I think. This performance in this scene was my favorite of the entire season from Henry Cavill. He is angry. And interestingly enough, this is the first time in the entire season that we get mention of Geralt's Witcher training. He asks her, do you know what they do to little boy's eyes to give them Witcher eyes like I have? Do you know what the trial of grasses and the training is like? Do you realize that only a third of these young Witcher candidates even survive and make it past the trials. It's interesting that we waited this long to actually learn more about the Witchers, but I'm glad we did. We, we got to see that Geralt is harboring a lot of pain himself, this like pain of abandonment from his mother. Uh, there's even hints in the show that maybe he's a child surprise. There's a quote here that I want to read. Uh, Geralt says to his mother, quote, you trusted destiny rather than trying to find me yourself. So does that mean Geralt was also a child surprise that Vicenna gave up? Uh, I don't know. Like I'm not sure what direction the show is taking it. Uh, it's a little different in the books, though.
1: Yeah, in the books, as far as you know, he was just dumped off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just given to Vesemir, given to the School of the Wolf. But in the show, I don't know if they're just really aiming for mystery in there or if they just had to hit their destiny quota, <laughs> to use that word again. That I'm not really too sure. Yeah. But I do think for them to include this scene, because this is another scene that it's inconsequential to the story, if you will. So it very easily could have been cut. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think, like you said, largely inconsequential scene to the actual plot taking place in the between Geralt and Siri and the larger story with Nilfgaard. But I think it's a very strong character moment. And uh, I thought it was nice to sort of peel the curtain back on Geralt of Rivia and humanize him quite a bit here. Uh, what I thought was funny was when he wakes up from this nightmare, and the merchant whose name is Yurga in the books—I don't think they ever even mention his name.
1: I think it's just merchant. Yeah,
0: yeah. But the the merchant's like, "Hey, Geralt, I'm glad you're awake. Let's get going. Uh, also, you saved my life. How about I offer you the love surprise?" And again, spectacular acting from Henry Cavill here. Garros is like, no, 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 please no. Just just give me some beer. Give me some ale. He just,
1: <laughs> he just rolls his eyes. He's like, oh God, not again. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants some damn ale. Just wants some ale. Quit giving him all these kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Every time you want a drink, you end up getting a kid.
1: Well, the next kid, he wants that kid. So that'll be okay.
0: That's true. That's true. Speaking of what he's going to get once he, once he gets to the merchant's house, Geralt, in the greatest of ironies, turns down the law of surprise, goes to Yurga's home with him, and ends up getting a surprise anyway, get, ends up finding his child of surprise. And we finally get the fateful meeting between Geralt and Siri.
1: Yeah, and to hit on the wife and the mother, she wants the daughter, oh, she's got this orphan that she can take in, and Ciri willingly goes there, and... She can help out and they have this almost idyllic cabin in this little clearing in the woods. And while they can hear the battle and all that, it's like, well, we might be far enough out of the way that maybe nobody will come through here, which good luck with that. Right. And, <laughs> and Historically speaking. That, yeah. They're going to come through there. You know, they're always <laughs> going to do that. They took over the land. But she wants a daughter and she cannot have that daughter because we all don't get what we want.
0: Right, right. I loved this scene. This was actually the third key moment I chose here. We'll get to Geralt and Siri meeting here in a second. But quickly, I wanted to touch on this little tiny scene in the entire episode. It barely takes up more than a few minutes, but I thought it was extremely touching. This woman is tucking Siri into bed. For the first time, Siri is sleeping in a bed since Sintra, since God knows how long. And you're totally right. This woman who seemingly has everything. She has this loving husband. She has a son. Uh, she has. She tells Siri herself, I have health, I have food, I have a roof above my head. But the one thing I don't have is a daughter. I think it's notable that this woman actually says the word everything. And they actually hang on that word for like just a second too long, just a hair's breadth too long. I believe that's intentional. If you think back to Yennefer and the episode with the djinn, she repeatedly tells everyone. She tells Tysaia, she tells Geralt that she wants everything. And for Yen and for Geralt, part of that everything is a life of comfort, a life that they have never had the option to have, to have family, love, support, comfort, happiness. Those are all things that this kind woman has. And even then, this woman is like, oh, I wish I had a daughter. So I think it's very human of all of us to want The thing we don't have. And for Yen and Geralt and people like them, that thing is love and family and comfort. For people like this woman who have love and family and comfort, it's potentially something else, like a daughter.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because something there. And I remember the first time I watched it, I didn't think much about this scene because of everything that happens in this episode, because everything we've talked about is interspersed with the battle scene. And Your adrenaline gets pumping for that. And we'll we'll talk about it at the end, but it's just incredible to go from that. And then you have to slow it down and you get these slower scenes and then you go right back to the battle. And so by this point in the episode, I was almost exhausted. And so I use this almost to be like, okay, let me gather my thoughts. Oh, did that just happen before? So a lot of this went over my head that first time. But I do like that out of it, Siri realizes, wow, these are genuinely good people. and. This entire kingdom, Nilfgaard's not quite an empire yet, is invading, trying to find me, and they're going to find me, and with it comes the death and destruction. Pretty much that Dara said that it's going to follow you, or I think even she believed him that you just have this wake, you leave this wake of death and destruction, and she knows I'm going to bring it down on this family, and she bolts. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back.
0: We'll get back to your podcast on Witchers and Ghouls in just a minute. But before we do that, we would like to take you on a little trip to a galaxy far, far away. Right, Connor?
1: Right, Jaden. On our series, we'll be jumping into the most memorable stories from the Star Wars video games, exploring their connections to the wider canon, and just generally fanboying around. We'll be tackling all the really deep questions, such as... How does a Wookiee find love? If an Ewok trips and falls in the forest, but no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound?
0: What are those tentacles on top of a Twi'lek's head used for?
1: All that and more on the Star Wars series right here on Lore Party. Look for us on the Lore Party feed by searching for Star Wars.
0: Thank you so much for listening, and may the Force be with you. Alright, so let's finally talk about our final key moment, and of course... It's this moment in the woods where Geralt and Ciri run into each other's arms and the two most important characters of this story are united by destiny and finally find each other. This is quite controversial. Uh, I don't think it's an understatement to say that this scene is something that's been discussed heavily online. And we actually talked about it a couple of episodes ago when we talked about Brokilon, And back then... We said we would wait until the finale to talk about it because there were spoilers. I think now we can finally talk about it. The differences between the novels and the TV show when it comes to Geralt and Ciri's first meeting and the stuff in Brokilon that was changed and how that affects this second meeting here.
1: The biggest thing here is it really hit in the short story because Geralt had already met Ciri in Brokilon and he abandoned her. He left her there, where she's crying, calling him basically a coward, saying, you can't run, you can't run, come back. And he's like tearing up and like, no, I'll only you know, bring death and destruction. I have to go. And this was,
0: this was before the fall of Sintra. This was a younger Ciri that had ventured into Brooklyn Forest because she was sort of young and rebellious. And Geralt and her met there. And they both realized, oh, wait, you're Geralt. And he's like, oh, wait, you're my child's surprise. Like, That was their first meeting in Brokilon Forest. That wasn't in the TV show at all. We talked about this a few episodes ago. Brokilon was changed drastically, and they don't meet at all up until this finale here. So let me ask you, do you think the emotional weight of the TV show was lost here with how Siri and Geralt meet in the TV show without that Brokilon scene? Or do you think it still landed?
1: It's, it's, I can't answer that because I know the books, you know, you'd have, that's a question for somebody that did not know the story that has only watched the show. I don't think you or me can answer that because we knew it was coming and we already are biased because of what we've already read. And so that to me is a question for you listeners out there that have not known anything and hell, let us know if that landed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would actually love to get some tweets or emails about what you guys thought because for me, I knew that this was coming. I knew they were going to arrive at the home together and I knew that they were going to meet. But what I thought was missing and what I was hoping to get in the TV show was the title of this episode. Geralt saying much more. In the books, since they've already met, Siri runs up to Geralt and she says, Geralt, you found me. We found each other. It's destiny, you know, like, admit it, we are destined together, I'm your, I'm your child surprise. And Geralt hesitates a bit, and he, you know, he embraces her and he says, no, Siri, you're much, you're something more, you're much more.
1: I guess it, de- it depends on the translation of what it is, because with, I think the American, he doesn't actually say that, he actually says you're more than that. Like she says, I'm your destiny, say it, I'm your destiny. And he says, you're more than that, Siri. more than that. But again, because there's so many, there's not one like dead on, hey, this is the canon translation, that it's something in there where it's almost like the Luke, I am your father kind of thing. You know, like that misquote from Empire Strikes Back.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's almost what this has become. And he says, you're more than that. And so- Yeah,
0: I I just think that was a huge misstep. For me personally, like I would have loved to see that in there. That would have added weight to both Geralt and Siri's character. You know, it would have fit into this idea that Geralt and Siri are more than two people who are forced together because of destiny. They have chosen each other and there is some genuine affection and they are family. They have chosen each other as as family because they both at this point have lost their own actual family. And I think there is some emotional weight that's lost when you lose that. And what's interesting is Lauren Hissrich, the showrunner, addressed some of these criticisms. She tweeted out the final page of the script. She tweeted out the actual original script for this scene, which contained those words. It contained Geralt saying, no, Siri, you're not just my child surprise. You're, you know, whatever, something more, much more, whatever, whatever the translation is. And that in the editing room, eventually got cut because as Lauren Hissrich has explained, the showrunners felt like they hadn't earned that because Brokilon had to be cut and changed as well. They didn't feel like they earned that line from Geralt. So they just stuck with the, the two embracing in the forest and then Siri cutting straight to asking who Yennefer is. So I would actually agree with some of the criticisms from a lot of the fans and uh, a lot of the internet when it comes to this final scene. I think it was emotional. I just think it didn't land as much as it did in the books for me.
1: I don't think it, yeah, I completely agree with that. And not only that, I do think the who is Yennefer was almost a distraction. Yes. Because I would think then, everybody, including me, even though we had heard before, book readers to everybody, just like, why is she asking about Yen? And right. Instead of it landing, oh my God, Siri and Geralt are finally together, you're then confused by Yen. Wait, why is Siri asking about Yen?
0: Even that little line, if they had just cut that and it was just a totally silent scene of Geralt and Siri embracing each other and you just saw the relief and the happiness wash over both of their faces, even that would have been like extremely powerful and a great way to just cut to black and cut to credits. The Yennefer line, I, I like came out of left field and I was like,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it cuts to, yeah, it pretty much ends it. And then you're sitting there like, the first thing is, wait, why is she Yen?
0: Right. Like, why did she just ask about Yen? Like, that should not be your reaction to that scene.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a whole lot of reactions and a whole lot of, oh my, this episode is incredible. But that just leaves you puzzled. Like, wait, did I miss something? Did she know Yen? Yeah, it
0: it was a little weird for me. I, I thought there were a couple of missteps here in the final scene.
1: So those were four
0: key sort of character moments that we chose to discuss and talk about today. Uh, if you noticed, we haven't at all said anything about the Battle of Sodden Hill, and we figured we would actually save that for the end of today's episode in our wrap-up. So, Brett, what did you think about the Battle of Sodden Hill? I mean, there was a lot going on, and it was there was some intense action, but uh, there were a couple of notable things that happened in the battle, too.
1: It exceeded all of my expectations. It was absolutely incredible. It's the first season of a show. You know, the budget's only going to go up. This is the lowest the budget's probably ever going to be for the series. And I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, they're going to actually show Sodden. Okay, that could be pretty cool. But the way they did it, I thought was just awesome. And the shots of Yen like commanding and then like telepathically speaking to each mage and then seeing them do that. It was un. I, it was just absolutely incredible. It far exceeded anything I could have imagined and just really blew me away.
0: Yeah, I would I would for the most part agree. I, I was very glad that we got to see some real badass and creative magic at work here. Um, there were a couple of cringy decisions, in my opinion, like the little worms that mind control you. I was like, this is a bit of a stretch for me. I wasn't too sold on that, but... Again, it was there to build some drama, and uh, I was really glad that we saw Triss get her iconic burn on her neck and chest. That's a very important sort of character trait for her that is actually completely and utterly ignored in the games.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you got to make her more bangable, right? You got to make her hotter. Right, right. You can't do that when she, as she states in the book, she's never going to expose her upper chest again, because she chooses not To fix like the burning, the wounds that she has. But yeah, she's left in the show. I mean, almost on death's door. Yeah. And one thing, too, and we can talk about this more in the season recap. I'm actually glad what they've done with Tris because I've made it no secret. Tris fucking sucks in the book. (laughs) She sucks. But they, they don't seem to be going that route in the show.
0: No, not at all.
1: And so I actually have faith that it'll be like, oh, okay. They're gonna, they're gonna rework show Tris. And I'm, I'm leaving open the possibility and not bringing in my book biasness of just how much Triss sucks.
0: Yeah, I'll be inter- interested to see what role Triss plays in future seasons. So let's wrap up with any of our big picture final thoughts. We have completed the entire season thus far. It's been a blast. We've done all eight episodes and deep dived into each of them. What did you think about episode eight and the finale specifically, but maybe briefly what you thought about the whole season too?
1: Yeah, and again, as I've stated before, I don't rank episodes. I don't do anything like that. I don't even like grading them per se with numbers or, oh, I think this was a B minus instead of a B or something. (laughs) I usually just look at it as loved it, liked it, it was okay, disliked it, hated it, just along those sense. And I absolutely loved this episode because when talking about the battle scene especially, in just about every single series, at least that I've seen, that has battle scenes they always get better. And this is the first season, and this was incredible. The budget's only going and, up from here. And that's the thing. Again, there's going to be some in the future. I think we can know that. And now I'm just thinking, they have set the bar so high yeah. <laughs> that I don't even know how the future ones can even almost be good now because I'm going to expect so much more. But again, if they take their time like they're doing with this season, they do it. It has a chance to be, because this battle scene to me was special. It's one of my favorite of any series just because of how they did it and the visions that they did it. Yeah, it just really hit because it also wasn't a general sword-on-sword clashing of armies, like from the first episode. The first episode, the battle scene, um, the battle of Mardadol with Calanthe and Ice and all that, that was a very generic battle scene. Soldiers clashing into each other. Oh, arms getting cut off, heads getting cut off. That was like, uh, whatever. This was something because we got to see the mages fight. And my only criticism of it would be I wish the mages would have actually had some sort of protection, some sort of armor, like even still. And again, I know it was a it was a it's a woman showrunner, so you can do it that. But like the cleavage is on full display (laughs) for several of them, including Yen. And it's just one of those where I just kind of wish that we would have seen some kind of battle. Armor, battle gear—they would have had because I don't know. Maybe Coral's arms doesn't get don't get easily cut off, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> maybe poor Coral has a chance to survive if she's not wearing a literal
1: robe, a kimono. Yeah, they're just in <laughs> robes and like, oh, well, that ain't gonna stop that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'll say that I, uh, my love for this episode isn't quite as high as yours. Sounds like it is. I actually liked the previous episode much more. At the same time, that doesn't mean this was a bad episode. I am the type of person who prefers strong, powerful, intimate character moments over battle scenes. And a lot of this episode was the battle at Sodden Hill. And I agree with you, spectacularly done battle, especially within that like, I'm sure very shoestring tiny season one budget that they had to work with. I thought it was creatively done, we got to see some incredible magic on display. But battle scenes generally don't really do it for me. I thought the important scenes in this episode were the really small, intimate character scenes that revealed a bit more about Geralt, that told us a little bit more about the average person here on the continent and how Nilfgaard's invasion has affected them. Those were what stuck with me. And I think we had a lot of really great character scenes in last week's episode, especially with Yen revisiting Eratusa. So this episode is not the highest for me, but I still thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think it was a very strong conclusion, despite... My issues with the final scene between Geralt and Ciri and how they meet, despite my reservations with that, I think at the end of the day, this was an extremely strong note to end the first season on, and it does nothing but make me incredibly, incredibly excited to see what season two holds.
1: here. hear. Willaboo, podcast or podcast? Lesser, greater middling, they're all the same but we've completed our contract and it's time to collect our reward. So please leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts and check out the other shows on the lore party podcast network at loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the path.